The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. My next guest is one of Ireland's best known and beloved priests, known for his fearlessness and outspokenness on matters concerning the Catholic Church. He has emerged as a source of great comfort for people. In his new book, which gives you a clue as to who he is, because it's called The Best of Brian, he compiles various articles, sermons and broadcasts he has made over the years. Brian Darcy, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Pat. Thank you for the privilege of being here with you. Always lovely to see you. Now, it's a best of, which means I can dip in at will and enjoy it in small or large doses. But we'll we'll come to that in a moment. But people might not remember how you became, if you like, the media priest, the person who wrote in newspapers and broadcast on radio. Yeah, I I suppose it all happened by accident. I was always interested in it, to be fair. Um, And even as a student, I, I actually was writing surreptitiously and, and anonymously uh, for um, an Albert Reynolds's um, magazine about show bands. Uh, uh, I started writing in 1966 for them. Uh, and uh, that was how I started writing. And then when I became, was ready for ordination in 69, I had to come clean and say to them, listen, I've been writing for this all the time because I was getting practice and I was knowing how to do it. I was writing about music, generally mm-hmm. speaking. but Non-controversial stuff. Non- very non-controversial. Although you give a bad review to an album and it's very controversial, <laughs> as you well know. <laughs> but uh, I got through all of that and, and I think it was a kind of a punishment when I became ordained in 69. There was We had a religious magazine, the Passionists had a religious magazine called The Cross, which was dropping off the face of the earth because of Vatican II. All of them did. So they said, let's put this guy into this so that he um, starts with failure because he's not going to save this. <laughs> so, <laughs> did the cross survive? The cross very much survived. The first, the first cover that I did was November 1970 and I said, I had a cover of the Beatles on it and saying, are the Beatles more popular than Jesus? Uh, this was John Lennon's famous remark. Famous yeah. remark, exactly. And of course that hit the headlines and people like Liam Nolan, Rodney Rice and uh, uh, the late Mick Hand and the late Kevin Marin, they all thought this was exactly what a religious magazine should be doing. All of the clergy, including my own bosses, thought this is exactly what a religious magazine should not be doing. <laughs> so, but I just, I believed in that, you know. I believed in, um, um, I went back to the first editorial of The Cross in 1910 and it said, this is a family magazine that educates, um, is controversial and leads people to a new idea of Christ in their modern world. And I thought that was an eno- phenomenal thing to say in 1900. But it wasn't true of the cross but, as as you came to it. It wasn't true, no, because it was a kind of a... Uh, the people were saying, you should tell us where we are giving missions. You should tell us what's happening in Madagascar and what's happening. And I said, no, if you want a newsletter, get a newsletter. If you want a magazine let it be for all the people. Now, you then started to write for the Sunday World. You mentioned the late Kevin Maron, who was the editor of the Sunday World. And the idea of a priest bearing the name, you know, a father, it wasn't uh, an anonymous or a pseudonym. It was a a fully-fledged priest writing for what a lot of people at the time regarded as a bit of a rag. Well, I, I, I think, I mean, most people did regard it as a bit of a rag. And Kevin Marin delighted in it to be called a rag because he said rags of the position too <laughs> in, in the place. I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is because he'd never be able to broadcast what he said. But he came to me, he, he wanted me to write from the very beginning. I wasn't able to do that. 
because I was already editor of my own magazine. He knew that. Um, as soon as I moved from that to uh, teach journalism in the communication centre in Booterstown, when priests were interested in journalism and bishops were interested in learning about how to communicate, um, uh, we went out there and that. And it came out to me just immediately, drove out to the communication centre himself and Joe Kennedy, uh, who was with him at that stage, uh, and they said... Um, would you write for us? And I said, "Ah, oh God, Kevin Cripps, I couldn't write for you." She said, "Lord, bless us and save us." Nobody, they would. They all say it's 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 too sex oriented. It's all of that. Yeah. Now I have to remind people that the slogan for the Sunday World at the time of its launch was. Are you getting it every Sunday? That's right, and it wasn't mass that we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but that was on all the billboards. All the billboards. And, and Jackie Laffin was the pin-up exactly. uh, girl of, now, of the paper. You look back at the early editions of it now, you say, what is all the fuss about? It was sure. so it was so staid. But, you know, the, the Sunday world was very well marketed, and people like Jerry, the late Jeremy Guinness and Hugh McLaughlin marketed it very well, and they always tried to get a, a, a controversial thing so that a bishop or a priest would condemn it the following Sunday and thereby increase the out of all recognition and that's how it was done literally they did used to he was deliberately provocative yes. to be condemned to sell papers so that they would sell simple papers. simple it was, recipe it simple recipe and it worked it worked and you know I, I thought it was Kevin said to me William Wright and I said I can't and he said well now listen he said I'm going to give you half a, at that time it was half a million listeners every Sunday and there's not one of them or very few of them will be going to a church and I'm giving you an opportunity to speak to those half a million people and you call yourself a priest and you won't do it. And there was a kind of okay. a, an expletive uh, for, before the priest and you won't do it. And immediately I thought and I said, well, when do you want me to start? Yeah, and he said next. Week. In other words, you you bring the message to where the audience right, exactly. is. Exactly, and it's, 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 that was precisely what I was thinking all the time. But I wasn't brave enough mm. to take the jump. But Kevin made it, and I said, "Well, well, we we'd agreed I'd write for a month, and either of us after the month could see whether we were doing it or not." And so Kevin, uh, I said, "What, what, wait, what do you want me to write about? Uh, pop music, or do you want to write about social affairs?" And he says, "Write about everything except religion." Because he said, when you're writing about everything except religion, that's the only time you're actually talking about real religion, that people matter. So we'll call it a little bit of religion. Uh, uh, now, you, you, and you've did it for how many decades? Uh, I'm now on my 48th year. <laughs> yeah, all right. Now, at various times you took up different jobs, um, both in Fermanagh and famously in Mount Argus, you yes. the parish priest in Mount Argus. What was the reaction of your colleagues when you, the parish priest of Mount Argus, is writing in this so-called rag? Yes. Well, of course, I have to start, Pat, with the reaction of my own people in the Passionist Order, because CP is Congregation of the Passion. Uh, and I, that was after my name in the beginning in the Sunday World. But the guys asked me, take that off, because you're bringing down the tone of the Passionist by having a CP <laughs> after your name in that. Uh, and I said, OK, so, I, so that's why I'm Brian Darcy ever since, without the CP, in the Sunday world. Uh, and uh, then uh, I was parish priest and I went to a, 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 a diocesan gathering one time and was been taken by the auxiliary bishop at the time. And two parish priests stood up and said, there's one of a parish priest from uh, Dublin diocese writing for a rag called the Sunday world. And that's lowering the tone of what a parish priest should be. 
I want the, the bishop to say to him, either make your choice, write for the Sunday World or be a parish priest. And for instance, this week in the Sunday World, there was, and he listed about five stories. And the bishop had the good sense to say, well, you seem to be reading the Sunday World anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, anyway, you, you survived that particular. I, sur- I survived that. I, no, I, you know, you certainly, uh, you wouldn't be writing for the Sunday World if you intended to become an important mm. guy in the church. But I, I wanted. And that's not what I wanted. Mm. Always, I wanted. I was in dance halls with the people. I was chaplain to the band lads. I was out round dances four and five and maybe seven nights a week. Sometimes maybe three and four dances a night. And as you know, it was, that Dublin was a smaller place at that stage, and you you, you knew everybody in in, in Dublin at that, that was in the media, and and uh, great people like Kevin Maron, Liam Nolan, uh, Michael Hand, they taught me how to journal, how to write journalism, and they would always say it was the and therefore taught me how to communicate in religion, and it has stood to me more than anything because they would always say write for the people not to impress. And that's what I said. Now, th- this book, The Best of uh, Brian, is a terrific book. As I say, you could dip into it. And uh, I'm greatly taken by uh, an essay called Cherry Blossoms. And it, it told me something that I never knew. Over 60 years ago, you write, when I first entered the Gran as a 17-year-old novice, I tried to be the best I could be. I accepted that the old Brian Darcy had to die and that I had to take a new name, Desmond Mary. Yes, that's right. And I, uh, we, you got Brian back. I got Brian back, and I have a nephew called Desmond called after me. And he said, "How the hell can I be called after you? My name is Desmond." He, he was born while I was Desmond Mary. In fact, a good friend that you would have known, the late Jim McCann. Do you remember Jim? I had this the great Lord singer, the yeah. and a wonderful man, streets of London, and all of that. And and Jim was in my class at uni, and to the day he died, he never called me anything else but Desmond Mary. He, he never changed back. <laughs> but th- what's interesting about this is is uh, the essay is called Cherry Blossoms, yes. and it's about an encounter you had with uh, the the gardener who was incensed. You're absolutely right. It, 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 it had the first encounter was with the rector of the time who, who asked us, is there anybody here can use what, a cross cut, which is a, a saw that a man stands on each end of it. Yeah. Uh, a cross cut saw, yeah. A cross cut saw. Uh, and I, I, naturally I could use it coming from the country and another guy said he would use it. So he brought the two of us out on a very fine morning in, uh, in the winter time and he said, there are 12 cherry trees there. I want you to cut them to the ground and burn them. Now, I was a novice. If I hadn't done it, I would have been sent home. Um, but we cut them. We cut the trees and we put, carried them, dragged them over to a dump and they were set on fire at the time. The community were livid that, that, that this had been done, but he regarded them as a great producers of dirt uh, and not, not this is the rector. The rector, and not, and not. The next day, I was out walking, solitary walk. We used to say we used to go out and pray, walk round the garden. And I was walking round the garden, and there was an old gardener there, uh, a lovely man, a lovely man, Charlie Keenan was his name. And and Charlie called me over. We weren't allowed to speak to the to anybody other than a priest. And he called me over, and he looked at me, and he would have known my father and who asked because I was local. And he said. Um, are you the are you the criminal that cut down the cherry trees? Which I nodded, and he said, "Well, it's jail you ought to get. A lunatic out of an asylum wouldn't have done what you did." 
And I realized that he had planted those trees 15 years ago. Oh, my goodness. And we had destroyed them. And I still regard, I, I still, I would cry even telling you that now. Yeah. Because I still think it was the most cruel, awful. And if people say, did you ever commit a sin? I, I would say, most certainly, cutting down 12 cherry trees out of obedience was the biggest, one of the biggest sins I ever committed. You learnt over the years, though, that obedience was not the be-all and end-all. I mean, you kicked against the goad many times. Yes. I mean, famously, on the Late Late Show, you had a go at the Cardinal. Or he had a go at me, depending on how you Well, yes. <laughs> but, I mean, you raised your head above the parapet. Yes. yes. Um, there was a lot to concern yourself with, though, at the time. The church was enmeshed in scandal. It was uh, a prisoner of its own history. And you spoke out. I mean, I, I can never understand why it was unusual for me to speak out. I, any priest worth his salt should have been shouting from the rooftops to, to, to destroy a child, thereby destroying a life forever, uh, is an unforgivable sin, if there's such a thing as an unforgivable sin. Um, but but how they were trying to hide them and trying to, out of a sense, false of, they were saying that the church is perfect and that everybody in it is perfect and they couldn't let on that there was sinfulness within the church. And I think that's the point where everybody stopped believing in yeah. the moral... Um, authority parity, of the church. Exactly, the moral authority. We're not going to take lectures from you guys. That were the two things together and people said... These guys... Now, people who don't know, listening, who are too young to know what Humanae Vitae yes. was, I mean, and in the cyclical, that really was at odds with most Every, normal people's most activities. Normal, exactly. And it was, it was as, as many people said, it, it was the church getting into a bed that it had no right to be in. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what it was. And people, people lost that. I mean, you know, love should never be a sin. Genuine love, an expression of love, should never be a sin, um, and 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 people in their heart of hearts knew that, and people also knew that to destroy a, a child uh, by abusing a child um, was was a terrible thing, and I suppose the fact that I, it had happened to me made me a little braver uh, because I knew exactly what I was talking about. Now it's it's not all uh, it original not. material because I'm uh, reading here. Um, that the words were written by Andy Rooney, who had the gift of saying so much with so few words. Yeah. He used to be on CBS's 60 Minutes TV show, now long gone. But his words more important than ever. I've learned that being kind is more important than being right. That when you harbour bitterness, happiness will dock elsewhere. That having a child fall asleep in your arms is one of the most peaceful feelings in the world. That when you're in love, it shows, here's a good one for us, that money doesn't buy class. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of that about well, you see that's the point of the book. This, this particular book is best of you can take it up and you get a little thought to keep you going during the day it might make you laugh it might make you smile or it might make you think that's what it's all about and there's 270 pages mm. of, of little thoughts that will help you you have the, the paradoxical commandments yes. people are illogical unreasonable and self-centred Love them anyway. Love them. That, that's supposed to be a prayer of Mother Teresa's. It isn't a prayer of Mother Teresa's. It's a prayer that she uh, repeated from uh, Kent, a man named Kent, I think, who, who originally wrote it. Uh, and and uh, I, I think it's a marvellous, marvellous, marvellous mm. piece. She always recited that at the end of her talks uh, because I think she saw herself in that. She was... She was 
uh, doing good and others were saying she was only a, a fake for doing good. Yeah. And so if you are successful, you will win false friends and yeah. true enemies. Succeed anyway. Yeah. The good you do today, today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Uh, honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. anyway. It's horse sense uh, if we've got the courage to embrace it. Uh, yes, exactly. And you see, I think, I think people need that. I don't think people need big reads about uh, synods and things like that. Now, though I'm a great, uh, great supporter of the synodal mo- mo- mode, uh, but I think people need just to get in touch with the best within themselves. I think that's what the, the book is meant to be. It's, yeah. not, it's not meant to be a, a cell of religion, soft or hard. It's not meant to be that. You don't need to do that. You just get people to realise that they're actually brilliantly good themselves and encourage good within yourself and it'll come out yeah. and it'll change the world beautifully. You, you write about contemporary matters, yeah. uh, about the abuse uh, yes. of cocaine and why there might be an outcry. Why should there be an outcry against all the cocaine dealers given so much of it is consumed. So who's doing the giving out? I can never figure that out. I mean, young people, I mean, barman, talk to barman. I was talking to a lot of barmen and they said that the sales of drink are, are actually going down because people are actually going in pubs and going into the toilet and having a line of coke, uh, which is... A, which so the profit accrues to the dealer, not the barman. Exactly. And uh, not to the publican. And, 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 and he said... It's not young people or it's not people from the, the, the bad end of town, allegedly the bad end. It's actually professional people and farmers. Mm. Uh, and, and, and perhaps some of the people that might be prosecuting these uh, alleged drug are users themselves. Are users themselves. And I think uh, there's a great hypocrisy about uh, all kinds of drugs, but particularly cocaine. Do you lament the coarsening of public discourse, social discourse among ordinary people, rudeness and all this, and political discourse? I, I really am shocked by how standards have dropped uh, so much. You know, it's, it's no... I, I see... You're a perfect example of somebody who can have a conversation and can ask hard questions without insulting the person. You know, sometimes I think, and I'm interviewing on BBC and all of the others, and I'm a long-time student of that because I've done so much of it myself. I think there's far too much fighting pretending to be a hard interview. Mm. If a hard interview is somebody who can argue with you about the facts you've just said, who, who can make you question your own judgment, who can draw out that, that so that the, that the people themselves can say, but hassling, fighting, bickering, bickering at people is no way to do it. I, I, I really think that that is one of the things that we need to do. I also think that the level of political debate is the thing that we have to look at. You know, it, it, I'm just reading, as, a, as you are yourself, I'm sure, uh, uh, the, the report of the inquiry into the COVID inquiry in, in the Downing Street cabinet of Johnson and, and Hancock and Friends um, and Cummings. And it is, it is alarming, alarming yeah. that people in charge of a cabinet room were A, so coarse, B, so anti-feminine, C, so ignorant of what was happening, and B, or whatever it is, E, uh, uh, that they were more concerned about the economy than they were about people. And, you know, the famous thing that, that, that this awful man, Johnson, said uh, about old people. I, I found that myself during COVID. Older people were made to feel shock and guilty for being alive. 
Uh, and, and and because there were everything had to stop because of older people that wasn't the case yeah. as Johnson I, wanted to let it rip among the older cohort and keep the economy and, going and, he said, and, and it was a natural way to call the old he said uh, uh, that is unbelievable that, 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 that a leader would say it. Trumpian psychology and Trumpian ideas of, of you know, the, um, um, Trump, uh, I, don't, I don't really blame him. I blame the people who vote for him. I mean, he's saying now, let the trial be broadcast on social media, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, as his campaign for the next yeah. election. And, and that, you know, standards is, you know, dropping and along the way. And I think leadership is, is, is very questionable at the moment. And if you have leaders, particularly in political leaders or church leaders, uh, who are not in church, not in charge, touch of the people, who, or who haven't a vision, even the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament says, uh, a country without a vision is bound to fail. Uh, a person without a vision is lost in the world. And there have to be people who have a vision of 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 rightnesses and a vision, a social conscience and social justice that they, that that we build up instead of destroying the people mm. that were who elect us. Do you despair of what's going on in the Middle East? Well, Middle East is is I I find it very hard even to talk about the Middle East because it's a complicated situation and you know it's it's probably goes back to what Britain left in the area is a big, yeah. is a big cause of it. Um, and I mean, I'm, I live in a situation where what Britain left in an area is a big cause. And so many people used to use a shorthand for the troubles in Northern Ireland and they didn't understand even the problem, never mind the solution. So I'm reluctant to jump into the Middle East because I, yeah. I don't know it as well as I should. And I keep reading about it. But all I do know is no matter who you are, the indiscriminate killing of innocent people is a crime against the nation and nobody has the right to do it. Well, the book's called The Best of Brian, written by Brian Darcy. It's published by Red Stripe and it's available everywhere and I recommend it as a a companion (laughs) because it's one of those books that uh, shouldn't be ever too far from your grasp. Brian, thanks a million for joining us on the programme. Thank you, Pat. It's always a pleasure to chat. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.